Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Today's episode is with Tom Griffiths, and today we talk about his time at Copper 90, freelancing in the sports and design world. I hope you enjoyed the episode, but before we get into it, here's a word from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Logo Package Express 2.0, a fantastic illustrator plugin that will help you save time when exporting your logo files. Um, it, honestly, it saved me so much time. Uh, Paul Rand wished he had this illustrator plugin. He would have saved so much time rather than drawing all those logos by hand uh, at different sizes. If he had Logo Package Express, he would never need to draw a logo, logo at meter by meter ever again. Um, this one is, is a fantastic one. All the great designers have it and, and people are talking about it in our industry. So save time by getting it. Uh, it'll help you export lo your logos for your clients. You can never get those emails, those pesky emails where they say, oh, can I have the PNG because the JPEG doesn't quite work over the top of my image? Or, you know, why has it got a white background on it? You'll never get those requests from your client ever again with Logo Package Express. Uh, so check it out down in the description. You can have your logos in all of the different files formats you need for your client including the different color versions as well the full color the black grayscale black and white uh, inverted as well in all the different vector file formats you need and again png and jpeg as well um, so yeah please do go and check it out it really really has sped up my uh, exporting time and, and helped out my clients as well so check it out down, down in the description for your logo package express discount through the creative waffle podcast link and you can also help out the podcast by doing that as well so yeah hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, check it out logo package express cheers There we go. We're into the podcast. Welcome to the Creative Waffle Podcast. Uh, yeah. Could you tell people, the listeners, uh, who, who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, I'm Tom Griffiths and I'm a uh, social creative at a sports agency called um, Troublemaker. Uh, some of the clients we work for are um, Peroni and Sports Direct. Um, and yeah, I've only been w working with them for the last couple of couple of months I joined them late in um, no November time uh, before that I was working over at Copper 90 uh, mainly sort of illustration and graphic design work for their uh, social media and yeah that was the first job I got out of uh, university so that's nice. my uh, career so far anyway <laughs> nice who, who do you support football wise uh, Chelsea fan yeah, Chelsea. So, uh, uh, interesting I wouldn't have guessed that from your uh, your profiles on social. I think you keep it quite hidden. Yeah, I do. I, there are some some illustrators and designers out there who it's quite clear to tell who their favourite team are or even their favourite player or favourite sports personality is. So, yeah, it's never really come up to post that much about Chelsea, really. I did maybe when I was a bit younger, going through like art college and university. Um yeah, it's not really come up as sort of an opportunity to do it that often. I think when I was at Copper, I think any time there was an opportunity to create some work around Chelsea, I'd try and push it, but you don't always get your way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Neil Jameson, the sporting press, has got like Chelsea social media graphics nailed at the moment. Yeah. He's uh, seen a cracking job, hasn't he? Yeah, he does some great stuff. I remember um, it was maybe the season before he started working on Chelsea um, at Copper 90, I was sort of um in charge of if we were post any sort of illustration design across our channels it would typically be uh, myself that would uh, choose who we would um, put across the channels and who we would try and promote and i remember he was just creating a lot of his own stuff at one stage um for about 12 about a 12 month period where it was just i think it was about the 18 19 season and it was just so 
so many great pieces it was producing and it was I think he might be based in the United States so it was a case of the game would happen in the evening and then he would produce something overnight and it would, by the following morning he would have something amazing out so yeah, yeah great art. yeah from from Preston I think and then he moves over to um to America when he's 20 and yeah. then, uh, just yeah. just taking America by storm it's <laughs> yeah, like up to so much he's going walking to Sainsbury's and you see his work in, like, on magazines and stuff yeah, it's crazy yeah, yeah. crazy like like random magazines as well like uh, like hunting magazines and um, like not completely non-sport well, non-football related it's crazy yeah. Um, but yeah so I, so obviously leaving Company 90 is where I sort of found your work and like, that's where I, I sort of like, seeing that come through in, in their social channels and things was it's great, and um, obviously watched a lot of Copper Ninety um, before it all sort of changed, and uh, especially the Derby days. I mean, fantastic documentaries and, yeah, and series. Um, uh, yeah. So, I, how how was how has that change been for you, especially during this whole situation? Yeah, it's been yeah a bit weird, obviously, because um, pretty much well, about April time, I was put onto furlough, so that was sort of I was on furlough for quite a long period. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a bit of a weird situation. Obviously, I was quite lucky in a sense that um, there was times when, um, um, because of the different furlough restrictions, different times, you're able to bring people back to do freelance work for different periods. So I was quite lucky in that sense, and they were very supportive when um, I did end up going freelance. Um, a lot of the work I got at the very start of um, going freelance was from them. So. Very supportive in that sense, which was very helpful for me. And it was like working for them. You're always working on really interesting projects with some really interesting uh, clients. So yeah, mm-hmm. I've been pretty lucky in that sense, and it's given me a lot of experience. Really. How, how do you manage your your own time and when you when you're freelance compared to working, like say, in an office and stuff? How how are you finding the difference in like managing your time versus someone telling you what to do, sort of thing, or like giving your projects? Yeah, it's tricky, especially at the moment with COVID. Um, I think. Uh, like a typical situation you've got a bit more of a, a social life outside of um, sort of nine to five hours and it's a bit easier to sort of split the time that's social and the time that's working and at the moment yeah. it's um yeah tricky to you I think you've got to just make sure you've given yourself time to relax and then time to um, get on with your work but yeah it's one of those things that there was maybe weeks I managed it really well and then other weeks that, um, obviously a bit more bit more of a struggle but um I think it was quite a good test really for maybe further down the line when maybe I want to go freelance at some later stage mm. in my career um just having that sort of three or four months experience knowing how I coped with it and different contacts I've made during that time as well so um yeah generally is very different obviously the nine to five but um generally enjoyed it and can see doing it in the future as well yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a good setup. Like at least you know you can work from home, right, and and be <laughs> be on your own time, sort of thing, yeah. and manage manage your own stuff. Um, yeah, that, that feels like quite a, a aspiration for like most creatives seem to want to go freelance at some point in their life, especially in the sports industry or the, or the bigger guys who work with sort of everyone. They seem to seem to be freelance. Yeah, um, I wonder I wonder why that is. I wonder why sort of football companies do that. They sort of have an in-house team and then the coolest work tends to be coming from uh, the outsourced people. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think I've actually seen almost the reverse a little bit in the last maybe year or two where oh. 
Um, there's been a couple of freelancers I've seen that have um, either gone on long um, freelance contracts with um, a client or they're going full time. And just uh, I think maybe some companies are um, realizing the benefits um, of having um, some sort of in-house design, more in-house designers or an in-house illustrator and more in-house mm. creatives as well. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a combination, but I do, do agree. There is like the, the big names who get a lot of the work typically are obviously um, freelance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, working at Arsenal, I think we're trying to do some more work with other freelancers and just get a bit of a different style. And I think as well, I mean, Dave Flanagan's done a lot of work for Arsenal. Yeah, and okay. and it's, it's great to, to, to work with someone like that. Um, but then... You, I guess you think about money and we've done a lot of I think a lot of stuff about to external agencies as well and then the thing is with football clubs and, and, and a business is always about money and can I do it something different with someone cheaper or can I do it with a, a junior designer or can I get someone cheaper because like BBC <laughs> they hired like a load of younger designers to do a load yeah. of social media stuff for Photoshop and, and like some quick edits after after reaction edits after games um, and it's and it's great to see you know, younger people coming into the industry and um and, and then being given those opportunities as well, uh, but but yeah, I, I'm always interested to see who gets hired for these sort of things, and it's it's, it's good when you see your friends being uh, hired for stuff. Do you feel a part of the industry like that? Do you feel a part of the community of uh, sports creatives? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think stuff like working with these several times in the last twelve months has um, yeah. been quite a good way of. Um, there's a very much a sort of community feel around that. Every all of the writers and illustrators sort of all support each other, um, and you can sort of sense that across social media. And um, yeah, just sort of generally working for them um, has been sort of a, almost another level to sort of being part of the community. Um, yeah, yeah, that's probably the main thing. I think also just being part of Cop Night for two years, I've obviously been able to. Um, when we've been uh, commissioning or featuring illustrators in the past, I've typically been the person who's been in contact with them. So I've got um, mm. built up some relationships in that sense as well. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe working with them was maybe the, the first um, stage and then d- different things like working for these sort of times has been another level to that as well. Yeah. I mean, the, these sort of times magazine, whenever it comes out, everyone a new, episode, a new magazine, it feels like, like the whole football community just sort of like, oh, let's get our hands yeah. on it sort of thing. Like <laughs> the illustration on the cover is fantastic always. And uh, so how many have you done now as well? Like is, is it um, all or is it? No, so I've um, I started work with, working with them um, just before lockdown, probably about this time last year actually. Um, and I think I've done seven or eight for them now and three yeah. of them are on the cover. So yeah, I know it's yeah, really really lucky to be able to get work with them consistently and um yeah i was really happy with this last one actually because it was originally going to be used um as uh, a illustration inside the magazine but they liked it so much they decided to use it on the front and we've been for their maradona edition as well as kind of a special one-off that they're gonna have so yeah i was happy they chose to put that on the front really yeah definitely <laughs> definitely so which ones have you done then what were three so it's maradona so as Maradona, I did um, as an Arsenal one, which was the first mm. one I did with uh, yeah, Henri and I've got it. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to grab it. 
very nice. Hmm. <laughs> it's quite funny, actually. I think a lot of them at the moment have got my design on the back of them as well because when I was at Copper Ninety, I created oh, yeah. all of the design work for them as well. Copper Ninety stories, nice. Yeah. So, did Copper Ninety sponsor it? Do they sponsor the? Or uh, like, yeah, they have a bit of a brand them. partnership. Um, Mm. So yeah, I worked on that and obviously worked on the front cover as well, which is quite quite funny really. Um, and then the other one that I worked on was um, for their Language of Football uh, magazine, which came out in the summer, which had well, an array of players. And I had Maradona, Zidane, Pele, and one other who's left me, but I've, uh, Zidane, or did I say him twice? I don't know. Um, but yeah, that was quite a cool concept as well because it was a different size to the rest of it. It was A5 and yeah. it was, yeah, just based on like almost like slang and phrases from different um, areas from around the world. So it was almost like a bit of a um, bit of a dictionary of different football terms, really. So yeah, it's something a bit different to what they usually do with the club editions. Nice. Yeah, I haven't actually picked that one up. Um, I've only managed to get my hands on the Arsenal one, but I've, I've, yeah, I was very tempted by the Liverpool one. Um, <laughs> I mean, for love for Galloway and his work, it's it's fantastic as well. Yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, that just there. There must be amazing to have a collection as a set. Or um, yeah. yeah, there are yeah there are different people who um, yeah collect them. Like, I think Phil yeah. Delves has probably got them all. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we did the freelance fee around his house once, and um, when I did the first YouTube series for, for the YouTube channel, and it was, um, I had this collection of amazing, like, I think it was Glory magazine, and then these Football yeah. Times, just beautiful, beautiful football mm. magazines. That's um, that's something that's really coming to, oh, not fashion, but like, it's really coming into the industry, and like, football fans are becoming more, um, uh, I don't know, like, more interested in that stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think um, there's, uh, definitely been a support for independent businesses and maybe the, like the last five to six years in that sense, whether it's independent uh, magazines or um, other independent re retailers online, whether they're selling um, retro shirts or other retro gear, it's definitely become a thing to um, find something a bit more bespoke online rather than um, going to your sort of typical outlets really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm seeing a lot of uh, custom prints on Etsy as well uh, being sold, which is great. Um, yeah. From I, mean, I mainly follow the Liverpool guys that do it. Um, I think I was talking to talking to Daryl Rainbow last last episode as well about the teams that do it, and it's, it seems mainly that it's Liverpool and United that have the creative people and a couple of Arsenal ones as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah then, it's quite funny. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't seem to be too many for the others. I've seen a couple of Tottenham ones, but. Um, maybe I'm missing out on something. I need to follow some more people. Um, but yeah, so how, how was your time at Copper 90 then? And, and what, what did you do there? And, and what was the art and residence stuff as well? Yeah, so um, uh, yeah, so I joined them at the in 2018, so just after I um, graduated. Um, and it was yeah, a nice time because when I was coming in for my interviews and stuff, they were sort of in the middle of um, the World Cup, obviously, that year. Oh, yeah. um, so it was quite cool to get the atmosphere of um, everything that they had going on that month, um, just to get a real sense of that. Um, so yeah, I joined September that year, and then um, yeah, I was part of the social media team, so we had yeah, a range of people on board there, from sort of uh, copyright editors to uh, video editors to graphic designers to myself that was brought in as 
bit of a graphic designer and illustrator. Um, so yeah, a real um, bit of, uh, mix of talents there. Um, and yeah, it's a yeah really really um, great to work for them. Had so many good experience working for different brands and. Uh, I guess one of the main moments was um, working across the 2019 Women's World Cup um, and just sort of taking in everything that um, we produced at the company over that period and mm. everything in the run-up to that as well. Um, I think one of the coolest things that we did was um, it was very much sort of illustration-focused all the way through um, uh, the tournament and before the tournament as well. One of the things we did... Um, leading up to it was a um, illustration exhibi- exhibition, which was um, yeah based in London. We had it um, in sort of the Easter time leading up to the the World Cup, and it was just centered around um, fifty of the best players that were going to be playing the tournament. Mm. Um, it was yeah it, for me it was cool because I was involved, but more importantly, really was. It was cool to see um, be, and be part of the process of getting other illustrators um, involved and being involved in the commissioning process of um, of that and just getting an understanding of how um, different artists um, work and the process behind um, how they're being commissioned and um, their general process of working as well. So that was really interesting. Um, and then that sort of dragged on into the summer when we had um, a different project, which was um, based on, well, with, for every game in the tournament, there'd be an illustration produced um, and it was going to be produced about three hours after the game. So it was, um, yeah, a logistical situation where you had to um, have all of these illustrators um, on dial ready to be briefed and then create an illustration within such a, like a short period after the game. So yeah, yeah, yeah that was another um, yeah logistical nightmare in, for some people um, working at Copper. But um, yeah, it was a really rewarding uh, thing to be part of. Really, that that World Cup, the twenty nineteen Women's World Cup, was. Uh, yeah, it, it was amazing. It seemed, seemed so much support for the women's game was incredible. I think that the, the support for the women's game in general has gone up so much since then, since yeah. that World Cup. It really kicked something off, which is fantastic to see. Um, and I was, well, it's quite good that Arsenal was a good women's team as well, doing <laughs> fairly well. Although yeah. Leon win, Leon win everything in the in the Europe. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, it's great to see. Um, like, yeah, and Alex Scott, um, not uh, obviously doing punditry and stuff, and then. Um, Alex Morgan doing coming over here and, and playing for Spurs as well. Yeah, um, it's great getting the international players like the, the the woman that's considered the best woman player ever coming over to England. Fantastic, yeah, just Lionel Messi to come over and we'll be, we'll be sorted over in England. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's that's really good. I mean, Cup of ninety it seems like a fantastic place to work. Um, like so much creative heads going on there. Um, was it? Was it really energetic the whole time? Because that's what it seems like from the outside. It seems like everything's going on all the time. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, there's definitely some characters there that have got just a, such a passion for the game. And you can just, um, yeah, it's sort of that energy just goes sort of around the office almost. And, um, yeah, there's just so many characters with different passions and um, almost different types of football fans as well. Um, so mm. you've got some that would be passionate in different ways and would be 
um, just have different knowledge areas. And uh, like I joined and I was like, I thought I knew a decent amount about football. And then you get there and you're like talking about um, the Greek third division or something. And you're like, <laughs> how yeah. on earth do you know this? <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, I need to go home and do a bit of research. But um, yeah, it's incredible some of the knowledge and um, the drive that some of the people had there really. Um, and yeah, I think it just shows in the work they produce as well. I think something like Derby Days is probably their strongest work and it's, um, yeah, real, really does show um, the sort of fan culture and um, mm. the passion that everyone has there for the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's crazy as well to see some of the some of the ones outside England, um, especially the, the, the one for me was um, the, well, the Celtic Rangers was crazy. Uh, and then you had, was it in, um, was it in Argentina? Was this River Plate, is it? River yeah. Plate um, Boca, yeah. Yeah, a couple of Libertadores. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was, I was quite lucky because that happened, I think that was the first Derby Days they did after I joined. And it was, well, it is their biggest one that they've ever done. Yeah, nice. So it was, yeah, quite a good time in a sense to join them. Um, and yeah, it was really cool just getting sort of the behind the scenes um, and seeing how the whole process goes because I could sort of see it being made a month or two before it was released and um, there was about four or five different people over in Argentina over that period and yeah it was um, yeah they, they, it was really well timed because it was such a complex um, final and mm. there, there was I think the situation where the pitch was completely flooded for the one game so they couldn't um, had to reschedule it, and it was um, yeah the biggest club those the uh, biggest game both those clubs had had in their history, and eventually um, it ended up being played in Madrid because of um, uh, the, the players getting um, the team bus was it getting yeah that, yeah, yeah that was the one yeah so yeah ended up being played in Madrid without the fans, which is quite a weird ending to it all. Um, but it, for, for like a documentary, it was like almost um, perfect, really. It showed so much story and narrative to everything. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, uh, to, I mean, I, I, thinking about how, how it's produced, how those things are filmed, and um, it's just yeah, so much production going into that. And, and hmm. so I, I think just whack out the camera and like film, film a vlog, but... I go filming, go to a match day, but something like that with a huge crew and and people working in England working on it as well, like behind the scenes and planning, and then only five people going there, making sure they're in you know, hotels and safe and all sorts. Some of the times, yeah. so you look at that that video, that that documentary, you think that's not safe. You don't move, <laughs> like get out of there, <laughs> like bricks yeah. flying over the top and at the bus, and yeah. But it really really gives you a sense of being inside the the atmosphere, and it's great. That's why I love mm. those, love them really a lot. <laughs> sorry I'm, it's alright Ian don't worry my flatmate's just coming to the room yeah. to put something in the fridge you're all good <laughs> um, you're on the podcast now it's all good um, so yeah moving on to, uh, to to other stuff you did at Copa 90 so what, what else did you did you get your hands on is there anything else that you you worked on whilst there um, yeah one of the other um, I guess community and cool uh, projects I was able to work on was um, the artisan residence um, program that they've got going there. Mm. Um, so yeah, myself and the social team sort of put the idea together because 
um, at that time and they still do have such like a keen eye on getting different illustrators featured across the page um, and it's just it is work that um, performs well on social and um, they came up with the idea of having an artist come into the office for a week and produce um, a range of work throughout that week um, from sort of reactive game illustrations to what had happened during the week. So they'd typically come in during, um, say, a Champions League week. So you've got different games going on during the week and obviously got the weekend games as well. Um, and then we'd do stuff like Instagram stories to get an idea of um, who the artist is and um, what their process is and a bit of their background. Um, and yeah, it was very much just about giving the artist a lot of exposure while also um, providing some value to Cop90 as well, because obviously they had a lot of content going on their page throughout that period. Um, but yeah, it was really cool in, for me just to, again, to get an idea of how different illustrators work and um, yeah, fully sort of integrate myself into their process and I'll go through and sort of help with the ideation on um, um, on the illustrations and um, yeah, it was really um, a cool thing to be part of and it sort of uh, made myself contacts I'll sort of know for uh, a long period now because it, yeah, it was really um, beneficial for them and it was also beneficial for me really and obviously beneficial for Copper 90. So yeah, something really um, proud that I was able to part of those sort of things as well because it's definitely something that um, uh, I think there's yeah certain artists that have gone on it and it's sort of one of their most um, valued things that they've been able to be part of in the last couple of years they've been saying so it's really like helped elevate maybe where where they were before and mm -hmm. um, it's yeah one of the sort of good areas where Copernite have you know, been able to sort of give back a bit to the community and really um, yeah level up someone's um, sort of progress uh, more quickly someone's um, illustration art career really so yeah definitely I mean you see that a lot when when, when people work for a couple of 90 or a goal or a bleach report and, and other companies very similar will, will come along and see straight after they've done that piece and think oh, he at least done that for them they're our, they're our competitor mm. we need them as well um, and it's great. And, and do you ever have a, an issue with the reaction pieces though? Because I always think think that they're, they're so close after deadline, after the like the full time whistle. Sometimes, like, is, is there any been? Is there ever you had an issue with it being a huge backlash, or it hasn't hit right, or has there been any flops? Um, yeah, there probably has been along the way. I think um, you've almost got to find that balance between um, getting the right idea and having enough time to produce it, and also um getting out quick enough for it to perform well it is like um a weird situation because in a way you've got to limit a little bit of the creativity and you've got to limit a little bit of the execution to um in copyright 90's eyes you obviously gain the execution by the engagement that a post is getting on yeah. social um but in an artist's point of view you are sort of limiting a little bit um um the creativity and uh, the final sort of execution there's yeah definitely sort of maybe work that's gone out or work that i produce that's gone up there which has performed well but maybe isn't to my eye um what i was after or maybe not to the standard i'd want it to be but um, it's yeah just one of those things you sort of learn along the way that um 
Yeah, there's certainly sort of like a style that's for those reactive pieces that you've got to sort of adapt and adopt. Um, and yeah, it's finding that um, finding that fine balance between getting out quick and still um, being a strong creative piece, really. I think. Yeah, there's one guy that comes to mind that does this, and his full name's um, escaped my brain. Is it Emiliano something? Do you probably yeah. know I am. Yeah, who yeah, I'm talking he about. Does- uh, the logo stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I, the amount of the quickness that he turns them around in. They're literally on the full-time whistle. He must be working on through the game. And Yeah. I think he either does that or he produces two ahead of the game. Right. And yeah. yeah. Uh, th- like, there's been situations where I've done stuff like that in the past where you sort of uh, design something in a way where you can sort of adapt it so it can work for either outcome, which, mm. again, is another sort of example of where you're sort of limiting the creativity a little bit because in an ideal world if say man city won you would do something completely different for them but if man united won you would change it depending on the characters and mm-hmm. who scored the goals and so on um so yeah it is it is one of those sort of um uh areas where i think there's yeah definitely a lot of especially people like goal and bleacher bleacher report and four 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 three three They've all got, um, there's a lot of planning involved where they're producing something uh, potentially weeks ahead and waiting to see what the result's going to be at some stage. And then as soon as the final whistle goes, uh, it's out there and people are engaging. But yeah, yeah, it's a a weird one because, again, it is that sort of fine balance between something that's really creative but also going to perform well on social, really. Uh, And that that engagement is is the final outcome. Do, Do you guys ever look at it did you ever look at them all at the end of the year or the end of the season, or is it just sort of lost on social media from then? Because I always think um, like it's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Like, you do all this amazing work throughout the season, and then they're just sort of on social media, and then you're like, well, on to the next season, and then just forget about them. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. It's almost, it's not even almost the season, it's almost the next week it's forgotten about in a way, especially mm-hmm. with the some of the reactor pieces. You almost, um, yeah, you create them, and there's that process of creating them, and then it gets posted and then there's obviously the reaction you get off that post uh, the next day or so and then that's the end of it really that's the end of its lifespan which is a bit of a weird way of working I guess um, I think as I was saying before stuff like um, the Beatle Times magazine and different things mm. like that they're definitely a bit more um, rewarding in that sense when you've got the physical item and you can always months down the line go back to it and um, look for it and um, yeah there definitely is um, sort of a, a limited lifespan to social posts and a, um, yeah. yeah a limited appreciation from as well I guess yeah yeah I mean, I mean if I mean, this is why I started printing some of my own posters just to just get the appreciation for for the illustrations that I've done the amount of time that I put into them um, yeah I mean yeah, I've looked back at like some of them. I think oh, maybe that could have been better, but um, now they're in print, I just sort of can't change it. Uh, but yeah, did you ever? Did you ever have that? Do you ever, I mean, everyone does it, right? Everyone looks back at their old work and thinks, ah, that could have been improved, and that could have been better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's definitely some sort of um, time where it turns from. Like, I think at the moment there's sort of work I've done in the, like the last six months where I'm like oh yeah that's still really good and then there's sort of like a transition from about six months to about ten months where oh I'm not so sure about that that was 
maybe not a lot. Mm. Um, maybe not in sort of the the tone and the the look I'm the approach I'm taking at the moment, maybe, um, and the mood I'm in at the moment. But yeah, I think everyone does that. Don't they sort of um, be quite critical of themselves at some stage? I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, for example, and the reason I bring this up is like Tuesday. I was thinking. I'm just, I, I don't know about this anymore. I, you know, having this one of those days where I'm thinking, oh, it's not going well. I can't draw someone's nose or like <laughs> something like that. Uh, right out of ideas sort of day. Then the next day I started looking at design history again and did did a load of research about the history of graphic design and, and layouts and where people have got inspiration from. It becomes really apparent when you start looking at design history. Yeah. Um, so, and one of my people at work said uh, that it's so much better when you're looking at that stuff. Like, really old stuff compared to people that are just looking at Instagram. You, you, your mind just sort of opens up um, mm. and you can see where you know, uh, some of the, the people like Craig Black and um, uh, uh, Sporting Press and, and some of the people that create amazing work now uh, get their inspiration from if you look at some of the older stuff. Yeah, some beautiful definitely. posters and beautiful editorial pieces. Um, it's incredible uh, looking at design history. So that's one thing I've learned this week is go back and <laughs> Learn from that, yeah. rather, than the, rather than the Instagram, although it can be really useful. Um, but what, what's your go-to like source of inspiration if you have one? Um, I do, yeah, I do try and take it off Instagram when I can, but it is very difficult to not get dragged into um, Instagram scrolling through different artists because, yeah, I do. I am in a similar sense. Do try and look through uh, a bit more of a historical approach to things. Um, yeah. Especially, I think the main source for me would be um, old railway and um, motorsport posters. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of um, the look they have to achieve through that, through the typography and the competition, uh, composition, and um, yeah, there's sort of like a, a gritty feel to them. Mainly, because, partly because they're on sort of like an old stock of paper, but also um, just in sort of uh, the yeah, brush marks they've used and um, yeah, again, sort of the typography they've used as well. Um, so that'd be one, but also in terms of maybe some of the um, Instagram um, inspirations would maybe, maybe be um, people like Ruben Dangle. Um, yeah. He sort of kills it when it comes to anything reactive. He's another one where it's something happens in the evening and by the following morning it's up there and you're like oh, why didn't i think of that idea yeah. <laughs> he's yeah a killer for that when it's yeah yeah it is how did i not think of that how is that he's so good at thinking of well sometimes they're really complex ideas but he's also very good at thinking of um almost a simple idea and executing it really well um but yeah, he's one, and I also like uh, Mason London is another one. I'm not sure if yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff. Um, he just got these sort of um, animations that go on a go on a loop, and um, I just like his color palette. Color palette's really good, and um, almost the the feel that the animations give off. They're sort of almost. Uh, uh, you you almost want to be where that is really for pretty much all of them. He's got like um, you want to be in the scene wherever there wherever that is, and um, I think it's also mainly because I, at some stage when I sort of begin to learn um, animation and mm. 
add it to my illustrations. So, yeah, he's probably out of all of them my sort of main inspiration at the moment. And yeah, anytime I sort of see his work, it's yeah, a bit uh, jaw dropping, really. Just uh, sort of looking at it and um, yeah, he's done some incredible stuff for uh, Nike and there's. I think uh, sort of a West Ham fan thing that he did a while ago, which was um, something I liked, I liked as well. But yeah, you can sort of see his progress as well, I think, um, especially over the last couple of years. So it's cool to see, um, as you were saying before, where you can you can easily get stuck into with Instagram, looking through different people's accounts, and you're like, how, how is that so perfect? How am I still doing this? Yeah. But then sure. like, you can scroll down a little bit further and see their progress and see they've come from this point and now they're at that point and it gives a bit more um a bit more ease to yourself anyway and um lets you know you can sort of aim to do a similar sort of thing as well really yeah i think i think i'm over that stage a little bit now because that's something i really struggled with a couple of months a year ago i reckon like looking for other people's stuff and being jealous of it so much and then I think everyone has that that period, and if you do it enough, I think, you, and talk to yourself enough, I think you get over it eventually. Um, maybe it's just yeah. today. Maybe I'm just having a good day. But um, <laughs> yeah, also Mason London. That's a cool name. I mean, that's not his real name. His name's Joe Prythurge. Prythurge. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mason London's a wicked name. That, that's that's a great, that's a great um, alias name. Um, <laughs> I wonder I got that. I wonder I got to that that name. Yeah, it's quite a. It definitely stands out, doesn't it? It's um, one you come back to, and like if you were looking to commission someone, you'd quite easily think of that name. So I wonder if, it, in that sense, it might have helped him out down the road. But um, yeah. yeah, it is one of those ones where you think, how do they come up with that? Yeah, yeah, I have to, I have to have a chat with him. Um, but yeah, so sports design is obviously a very fast as well. We discussed like how quickly it moves on. Um, how quickly other people get hired for things and, and have different magazines coming out and everything. What's been uh, your favourite thing that you've seen recently in the sports illustration or sports design world? Hmm, good question. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot there. <laughs> yeah, I've got to think. I'm, my memory is awful. But, um, my Instagram likes usually comes up from some good stuff. Um while they're having a think, I'll um, I'll say one I've, I've recently seen today actually. Uh, Dixon actually did um, the rebound for ESPN uh, Netherlands. They yeah. just did a, just released a rebound from them. And that was quite smart. Um, yeah, so that was, that was something I saw today. But yeah, I mean you could, you could literally spend a whole podcast just naming people like do, who do good work. Because <laughs> I am pretty. Um... Oh, yeah, something I have seen recently actually is um, from Alaska Mag, and they mm-hmm. always do, or well, the moment they do this series with a different illustrator every so often, and it's this um, comic style. And yeah, every time it's just got a good amount of comedy involved. The execution is always spot on as well. Um, and yeah, they just. Um, very yeah one of those posts that gives a lot of value to the audience as well um yeah just a really clever comic style which is something i've sort of considered doing before where you sort of have a bit of a comic strip um 
I, I don't know if you've seen much of, um, I think it's David Squires, um, uh, the stuff with Guardian. Rings a bell. Um, I'll have a look. And his stuff is all oh, in yeah. black and white, but he does um, sort of, I think, a comic for them. And I think he works for some Australian company as well. But he does, um, yeah, I think it's about one each week, and they're just so funny. Um, sort of the comedy that he adds into it and the different like pop, pop culture references um, and it's yeah I've had this sort of idea where I'll turn that because he does it in sort of like a bit of an A4 page uh, format sort of turning that into like an Instagram carousel an Instagram story and having that go through um, in, a, in a feed but um, yeah it's, their stuff their cranes uh, very clever and nice. anything with that sort of comedic value to it so is add something to it as well yeah definitely yeah I, yeah I mean come back to our last coast those, those guys are fantastic Karim and Toby are doing a good job um, promoting creativity in our community definitely um, yeah nice one so one, one thing I did want to do I'm not sure how well it's going to come out for the audio listeners on the podcast but um, I, I want to be sort of selfish with the people I'm chatting with and like ask for some feedback and critique and, yeah. and you're the first person I've asked to do this with so just be like as harsh as you want um, <laughs> on, on any piece you want but uh, if, if you could like give me some feedback on my work or uh, that'd be amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course I think because you obviously mentioned to me, to me about this the other day so I did have a, another look at your stuff and I was thinking what am I going to say for this well um don't want to be too critical of anything. Don't want to. You obviously still want a bit of critique because there's no point asking the question otherwise. Yeah, this is. Um, it. But it does well, put me on the spot a little bit. <laughs> well, one of the um, things that I, one of the things I said this year, right, is to get be honest with myself, completely honest. And if it is shit, don't post it. Um, I know I paired back my my Instagram says, well. The, the, what I consider my best work uh, which it isn't like you know it's, it could still be better but um, yeah so I've just it, it's probably not a lot um, a lot of work on my Instagram but if you go back on, on Twitter or anything it's probably a lot of more crap stuff but feel free to critique some of the Instagram stuff because that would be amazing if you could yeah no, there's, a, there's lovely stuff on there and one of the things I've loved for a long time is the San Siro Topsy did a while oh, thank you yeah 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 the, probably one of the best examples I've seen because I, actually when I was at Couple 90 I did do some apparel work and mm. um, it was it's a different type of art and it's something a different type of way of designing that is, takes a while to get your head around uh, producing something for apparel I think um, but yeah those, that's a really good um, one of the best examples I've seen of something that um works and you wouldn't have to be a football fan to wear it as well and it was quite easily work it's just like a design and you wouldn't know you wouldn't have to know the reference behind everything it just works nice as a piece of design oh thank you yeah um, i was really pleased with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um but something i saw actually that you put on your instagram stories um a day or two ago actually was mm. of it's just Klopp in his coat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And something I really liked about that, which is maybe a little bit different to some of your other ones, is some of your other work um, in that style, is um, I liked how the coat wasn't in much detail, but then 
there was other areas that were in much more detail. So there was maybe, uh, for instance, his head, and there was, I think, maybe um, some other area on the coat, which was in a decent amount, a, a larger amount of detail. Mm. But then there was, for the rest of the coat, it was a much more sort of um, broad brush strokes and much more of sort of a playful pattern sort of look to it. Um, so yeah, that was that was something I really liked that could sort of be incorporated into more of your work, um, which is sort of the main thing I took out of that. Um, that's kind. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I mean, that that one was um, inspired by Day, uh, Dan Layden. Um, he did oh, yeah. a, a clock stand like that. I thought, oh, this, this could turn this into a series. So I did one at a slightly different angle. I didn't want to copy them too much. I'd use different colours and stuff. Yeah. But um, I'll post it. I'll post it after this podcast. It will be on uh, Instagram sometime. But um, but yeah, I'll turn, I'm going to do some other managers. I've, started a, I've done a totally peerless one as well in the same style. So oh, I'm nice. going to do like managers apparel, apparel. So like what managers wear on the touchline. And then yeah. like, a, I don't know, five, six um, carousel on Instagram. So hopefully that works well. Hopefully it, it turns out right. But yeah, I think I think one of the things as well I use the same brush road thing, which is becoming a bit samey. Um, I can, uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a criminal of doing that as well. Um, of I'm not sure if it's a good thing yeah. or a bad thing though, because it sort of gets the style going. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think there's been times in the past where I've used a brush which, um, because of um, the effect it produces, um, like anything you put it on, it's already got that sort of effect to it. But then there's been other ones where, uh, depending on how you use the brush, um, it can sort of give off a different effect. And um, it's not like if you if you put a, put it across everything, it's not going to come out exactly the same almost. Um, but there are other brushes where it's um, a case of if I yeah use that, it's going to be look exactly the same every post which is sometimes what you're after sometimes you're not what you're not so it's sort of yeah very much a case of what you're after really in that sense yeah yeah definitely but yeah i'm definitely a, a criminal of using the same brushes for pretty much everything i've got hundreds of brushes on my uh photoshop <laughs> but it's only about three or four that get used every time but... that's yeah i think everything <laughs> happens um but yeah, no, I appreciate appreciate that. Is it? Is there anything that you think ah that shit? Or like you could do like you could do a lot better than that. Or like, yeah, doesn't look like the player or, or I don't know. I, um, I just uh, I don't know if I want to be too harsh. Is it? Should be. Should uh, be. Host. I'm already um, offended. I've asked for it. <laughs> I'm sorry to be um, on the spot. You don't have to say anything if you don't want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I will. <laughs> okay, fine. No, I, I mean, you I, don't like my work. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, One yeah. thing I would say is I do love um, how diverse your work is as well. You go from something really, some sort of design that's all about branding to um, sort of a really sort of rough illustration style. So that's something that I think like a lot of illustrators do sort of just and designers do just stick to their one style but you've um yeah you're happy to sort of experiment with different approaches for different things which is uh i'd consider it a, a positive really i appreciate that thank you um 
Yeah, that means do so. In my head, that means do more, do more of that stuff. Stuff mix it up a bit. That's good. <laughs> I gotta try. This, I, I figured out this. This segment might become like me asking for praise the whole time. I don't want it to be. Like that. <laughs> um, I really want to just like, get properly critiqued. But um, but I appreciate it. I appreciate you being the first one, the guinea pig for that, that little part of the podcast. Yeah. Um, it'd be quite interesting to see actually over time what your responses are to that because everyone looks at things differently, don't they? And what I've said is probably going to be completely different to whoever you've got on next, really. So you're going to have a, a range of different feedback, I imagine, by the time you've yeah. done a couple of these. This is it, yeah. I think I think I was missing an opportunity. I've done 200 episodes of this thing now, so it's missing an opportunity not to <laughs> not to ask for feedback, even if it is a bit cheeky doing that. But, um, but yeah, yeah, we got there. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> no so, so, okay, next bit. So we'll get on to the last couple of questions, if you're good with that. Yeah. Um, we, we go and ask ask people on the podcast. Um, so what, the first one is, uh, what's your best purchase under £100? Um, I don't Probably, if I'm being really practical here, it'd probably be something like my Wacom tablet, just mm. because of the amount of use I've got out of it. Um, yeah, I've like, I know you can get more expensive ones, but I've got a, like a, well, I did have one that was relatively cheap, and I've got another one now that's still fairly cheap and under £100. But um, yeah, in terms of like the amount of hours and use I've got out of it, it's. Um, done pretty well I think um, and if it was going to be non-practical then probably probably one of my football kits or something like that um, what's your favourite Chelsea kit? Um, probably just because of the fact um, I was uh, it's probably one of the most impressionable times because I was young and they were doing very well at the time. It was probably um, the 2005, well, 04, 05k, which is just a very simple, the che- the old Chelsea logo with fly emirates and just a bit of white detailing. And it, I think it was still mm. umbro at the time as well. So it's, yeah, it, it's not a very attractive kit, but it's just got like a lot of good memories of Chelsea performing well. And it, I think it was my first Chelsea kit as well so it's nice. yeah more more memory based than design that one is that, is that the one before they had the centenary one with the gold over yeah, the logo the, yeah just before yeah. that one yeah I, I like that shirt it's nice yeah that feels like uh, sort of the start of where I started following football as well where I started with, started with memories of football like 04, yeah. 05 so it was the first time I had shootout cards and the first time I was watching football on, on, on TV and stuff I think properly yeah um, yeah, I was thinking, talking to a friend about this. Like, we're going to remember now as our generation of football much more than 2004, 2005, I think. As in, say, like being a Liverpool fan, I'm going to remember this, like Champions League win and this um, uh, Premier League much more than I would 2005, even though that was first in, our, in a still in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. I guess for a Liverpool fan, it would be. I guess but, depends on support I guess I guess it will always yeah. be quite one period you remember just because of how different the schedule was and the games because of COVID as well yeah um, yeah, yeah. For, for me it, I think always that period of um, me growing up in Chelsea sort of winning those couple of league titles and uh, yeah I'm always going to remember Chelsea against United as sort of the big rivalry I think mm. um, so yeah so how, how old are you if you don't mind me asking uh 24 
Nice. So, okay. Yeah. So similar age. So, because I always think, I always wonder if it's like now we're becoming uh, more appreciative of football, understanding tactics more, understanding the way a manager works, and understanding like, oh, there is a guy that controls the team, and that's actually your business, and all sorts of things like that. And it's mm. we're becoming more aware of things in in the game. But back then, it was more of oh, the kits and the colours and the. You know, I don't know too many players' names, but I can, I can sort of tell who's I want to support and. Like, I know yeah. that guy, that's Stephen Gerrard. I know him. Like, yeah. So I wonder if I wonder if now is going to be the time I remember um, and tell my grandkids about. Obviously, it helps with Liverpool doing well, but yeah. even with Chelsea and stuff, like that's going to be our, this is going to be our generation, like our era of players. Like I, I watched, I don't know, Frank Lampard manage Chelsea, and yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm just yeah, interested yeah. to see what's going to be like in the future for for for, our, for kids and yeah, grandkids and all sorts, but. Well, we're probably whenever we're allowed to go back to football grounds ever again by the time <laughs> they come around. But uh, hopefully soon. Hopefully yeah, soon. Um, the last couple of questions are a bit deeper and um, they ask some more philosophical questions. Uh, first one is, do you have any life advice for people listening? Life advice? We do this. Um, we do, these questions are for everyone. We do this for everyone, <laughs> by the way. Not just... um, don't take life too seriously. It would be as simple as that, really, I think. People get too angst up, especially at the moment. It's hard not to take life a little bit serious, because yeah, it's not the best of scenarios. But um, yeah, just, just take life not too seriously, really. Like not it. too much else to add. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good uh, statement. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? Is the last question I ask everyone. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> especially <for> someone who's <laughs> twenty-four. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very really bold question to ask. Um, <laughs> I just like the thing in people's answers. Yeah, I guess um, one of the things, maybe maybe not what I want to be remembered for, but something um, I aspire to do is maybe um, just inspire um, younger people. Just um, I think just inspiring one individual and then going on to inspire more people is um, something good in itself. So just... Um, yeah, setting sort of a good example and inspiring people through my work or stuff, as I was saying before, with Cop and I, just giving people um, the platform to sort of uh, um, show off their talents and their skills. So, yeah, tricky question to <laughs> finish on, but yeah, something on those lines. This, the thing is with those questions is it's, it might sound a bit scary and like big question, big philosophical question to ask, but a lot of the answers that people give is something they're doing or something they have done already. Like you've done that for me yeah. already. Like you've inspired me to do yeah. illustration and like the way you do texture in the background is, is something that, and, and the brush strokes and all sorts. Like it's something that I've looked at a lot um, and hopefully it doesn't come across too too closely, but I mean, it was streets ahead and it's something that I aspired to get to that level. And so you've done it already for me. So I appreciate it. And, and yeah. chatting like this has been great. So you've definitely done it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, hope you continue doing it. So uh, where can people find you on social media and, and check you out and, and say hello to you? Uh, so my yeah Instagram and Facebook are Tom Griffiths Illustrations. And on uh, Twitter, I am um, Art Tom Griffiths. And my website is uh, online. Wicked. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's been yeah, good. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be on. 
So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Tom was a great guest. Uh, really great to chat with him and learn a bit more about his process and uh, his whole time at Copper90. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to enjoy this episode, please do feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, yeah, on YouTube as well, subscribe. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Cheers. Oh.